You are listening to The Real Faith Stories Podcast. Interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Lisa Vandenberg, welcome to Real Faith Stories. It's great to have you on the program today. Thank you so much for having me, Brian. What a privilege to be here. You said that you used to think Christianity was for weaklings and for those who couldn't do life on their own, and then saying yes to Jesus' invitation changed everything for you. So, let's chat about who Lisa was and what Lisa did prior to coming to faith in Christ, and what's happened since then. So, I grew up in South Africa. That's one-third of my accent. So, it's it, when I grew up, it was... A, normally religious society. So Christianity was the main religion at the time. So we all grew up with a sense of God and a sense of Jesus, even if we didn't actually go to church. And even if we actually weren't saved, the the whole country was run on those Christian principles. So I I had this experience. I didn't grow up in church. My parents weren't churchgoers. You know, attended a couple of uh, Methodist church classes as a kid of, of what I can remember. Learned some Bible verses, learned some songs, but that was sort of the sum total of my Christian experience growing up. And as you alluded to, I have always been very ambitious. I've always wanted to make a lot of money, make a big impact on the world. I can remember even as a kid, I was teaching all of the other kids. I had them lined up in a classroom. We've the whole lot. I had I had a little shop and I was selling things. So it's the nature God gave me. And as as I grew up, realizing in South African culture, which placed a great value on responsibility and hard work, I realized that that was my ethos, that I was going to work hard and I was going to get it done by myself because that's what I did and that's what ambition said to do. So every time I heard anything to do with Christianity, it was you know, God's bigger than you. He thinks bigger than you. You need to rely on him. You've got to be humble. You're not allowed to have any money. Definitely can't be ambitious. You've got to put everyone else before yourself. And so when you come from a mindset of, I'm going to do it all and I'm ambitious, that clashed with everything that I felt in me. So I was staying as far away from Christianity as I possibly could. This was not going to be for me because I had to make it on my own. And I, I had never heard of the aspect of God loving us so I didn't even connect with that. You know, he was he was somebody, you had a list of rules that you had to obey, and I didn't like his rules, and there was no love involved. I just had to tick, tick off checkboxes. So why would I do that if I felt I could do all of this in my own strength? <laughs> you sound very black and white, Lisa. Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> that was my mindset, but somewhere in my guts. And, you know, this often happens to us. Our mind says one thing, but our, our heart and our guts say something else. And yeah. I always knew there was something more than what I could achieve by myself. And so I, for the first 30 odd years of my life, I went after that as, oh, I just need to learn a tactic. I need to learn a principle. I need to learn a way of being successful in business. I was always learning more and realized later that that's something that God's putting me to. But I was constantly looking for something outside of myself to help myself go further. Yeah. And it wasn't until my conversion that I realized that that something else wasn't a tactic or a principle. It was this higher power. I just didn't realize it at the time, but I went looking for it everywhere. So that's that's where I was. That's who I was up until meeting Jesus. What is it that drew you into finding Jesus? What happened? He was sneaky and he got me. 
<laughs> because he he knew where I was, right? As he just so beautifully does. We were living in England at the time. That's the second third of my accent. And my mother-in-law had come over to visit and my husband grew up in a Pentecostal church in South Africa. So she came over and she was, I want to go to church. Where can we go and look for a church? And of course, I didn't know where any church would work because I wasn't interested. But just so happens, as God does, there was a public park across the road from our, ha- our home. And we drove past one day. There were big banners on the side that said, God in the park. And my mother-in-law said, I want to go and see. And I went, fine, I'll take you. It was it was too close to drive and too far for her to walk. So I said, fine, I'll take you across and I'll walk across with you. So we, we get to the edge of this big public park and I hear this cool music. There was a beat and they, people were having fun. And I thought, oh, that must be somewhere next to the church because it definitely can't be this tent where they're having this church meeting because mm-hmm. I've never heard cool music. There was Christian music before. <laughs> right. So the music draws me in, right? So we get in. And at the door of this tent, I just see people having fun and they're laughing and nobody's somber and, you know, they're smiling, everybody just having a great time. So I, I stayed and went through this worship. And then just as God does, the couple that preached that night were very successful, very wealthy pop stars. They were the husband and wife team who had been very successful in the music industry and had done this all with Jesus. And they were the ones speaking that night. So they told me everything that I wanted, mm-hmm. that God is for us being successful, that he wants to do this with us, that He, you know, we can do things in the world and he is with us and he protects us and he loves it and he wants our light to shine. And so God met me with a message that my heart had been crying for for 30 years. Wow. And that night, I literally gave my life to him that night. I was, I think it was a Tuesday. I was volunteering at that same tent meeting by the Thursday, was in church on Sunday. And that's almost 20 years now. That's wonderful. So when you found Jesus or he found you, what was the shift that occurred in your heart? What did you experience when all that came together and you finally recognized this is real this is what I've been looking for. So the experience that I that I describe as I was saying the prayer of salvation was literally that I felt as if the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. And I didn't even know I was carrying it. So all of this, all of this ambition, all of this work hard, all of this work till you drop, you can do it yourself. I didn't realize what a weight it was that I was never supposed to carry. And he lifted that weight off my shoulders and just the, the combination of the people having fun, the love I was shown, the effort they went to to put this outreach on in the park, what God said to me during that sermon, and the, the power of this prayer, the power of, of me finally agreeing to or, all the way he had wooed me for 30 years and me finally saying yes. I felt like the weight of the world had lifted off my shoulders. And I didn't realize that that was the thing that I had really been searching for. Mm. Somebody who would walk with me. Mm-hmm. You are searching for the person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Not a system, not a tactic, not another way to learn things, but the person. I hear that so often with so many people that it's not another step, it's not another program, it's a person. And it's all found in that person, the answer to every question. So as you jumped into this, what was the shift that occurred with respect to the way you viewed work, the way you viewed your life? What started to happen? And then, of course, fast forward, now you're coaching people. 
and I'd love to dig into that. But how did this transition occur? Well, slowly, because because I was so ingrained in my thinking beforehand that he's had to he's had to woo my heart because my mind was still very much in the in the mindset of doing. So I remember another way he blessed me is this: the pastor of the church that put on this outreach had both gone to seminary and had his MBA. So he had this mindset of a businessman and a preacher. And so he, the, the systems and structures that he put in place for our church really helped us accelerate as a, as a body of people, both spiritually, but also structurally. Mm-hmm. And so we had a, we had a beautiful space in the, in the center of our city of a couple of million people. And, you know, we ran it as a going concern that actually served the whole community, all of that kind of thing. So I walked straight into a, a structure, a body of people who both loved each other, but also excelled at growth. And so I remember going up to him uh, about six months into this journey and I said, I have a bone to pick with you. And he looked at me and said, okay, Lisa, what's, what's the bone that you're picking with me? And I said to him, we don't have a program for new believers. We have to do something about that. You have to do something about that. And he looked at me and he said, well, if that's bothering you, then you go and do something about it. I knew that was coming. <laughs> right? <laughs> Put a proposal together. Show me how you do it. Come and present your case to me and we'll go from there. And so I did. And he literally, Brian, he put me with the most exquisite, I love her, Nigerian pastor. And he, he had her mentor me for 18 months. We used to meet once a week. I had 13 pages of handwritten questions about this Jesus, about God, about Christianity, about how you walk it out, about what it looks like. 13 pages? That wasn't one question per page, was it, Lisa? No, it wasn't. And it was double-sided. Wow. Handwritten. <laughs> oh, my word. How many questions, take a guess, did you have on those pages? Oh, oh could have been 100. 100. And you <laughs> went through all of those with her? For 18 months. She walked me through what life looked like. She walked me through how to fall in love with him, how he loves us, how you deal with things that, you know, all of all of our normal everyday questions that Christians ask. Mm-hmm. God, why did this happen? I prayed and this happened. What all of those things, we just walked through it. And in in amongst this, her and I developed this new believers program and taught it. So I was essentially coaching and helping people through things six, seven, eight months into my Christian walk with this mentor and helping people walk through the real life stuff, the real hard questions of life. Yeah. And so as I was doing that, I was transformed. I, w- I was falling more in love with them. I was understanding that it's not my own effort that he helps. So literally, I've just grown with people as they've grown, I've grown, and we've all been on this journey together for years. Yeah, I've had someone say, all you need to be is maybe one or two steps ahead of the people that you're helping. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit, right? He's a hundred steps ahead of all of us. <laughs> Absolutely. It works with us. I have to ask, Lisa, prior to your coming to the Lord, what types of work did you do? Project management. So any kind of organization, project management, I used to take. So, so for instance, at the church, when I got there, we had this exquisite facility that the Lord had us renovate. So we did a renovation and we were the second best sound and lighting public space in the city. What city was it? Of millions of people. Bristol in the UK. Okay. And so I went to the pastor with a proposal and I said to him, hey, we've got this beautiful facility. It's a waste using it only on Sunday. And he said, I completely agree. I said, I would like to run it as an event center during the week. 
And so I put a proposal together and we literally used to rent out the rooms, the smaller meeting rooms, the larger gathering rooms, and even our beautiful main auditorium to local businesses, local clubs, local communities within our city because it was such an astounding space, right? So we used to hold end of the year bulls. We used to hold charity funding foundations. So we'd hold fashion shows and launching new businesses would come and launch their new products to their staff and their guests in our facility. And I ran the, the building as a going concern and actually made profit for the church to be able to expand into other areas that we wanted to do in the city. Go, so, Lisa, go. I love it. That's that's my background. That's everywhere I go. Circling back to your 18 months of mentorship with this Nigerian pastor, please share a couple truly aha moments during that 18-month period. If you know anything about Christianity in Africa, it's it's literally do or die. You say you're a Christian in Africa and persecution comes. This is like the real deal. Like we, ha- we have it very cushy in other places in the world. What she really imparted to me was, you've made this decision and this is your life. This is not a, oh, when God answers something, then I'll say I'm a Christian. But when he doesn't, then I'm not so sure whether I like him or not. You know, so she, she instilled in me and told me stories of and shared examples of, you've made this decision, now God is your life. And it sort of solidifies you to go, yes. There is no plan B. Lord, I am yours and you are mine. And regardless of what happens, I will not change course. It's that set your faces flint. Yes. So she used to tell me stories of persecution and there were all sorts of things that happened, right? But she'd also tell me stories of that setting your faces flint, how God moves in power when we believe. And it's the verse that says, you know, believe that I am God and the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. And so she would tell me miracles and stories and the hard stuff and the good stuff. You know when Jesus says, you share in my suffering and my glory? Mm-hmm. I didn't just hear about the glory, I heard about both. And when you make a decision then that I will not change the subject, and Lord, I am yours for life, it settles you deep, which which makes foundations that are deep so that when the winds come, they don't blow you over. I love what you just said. I will not change the subject. That's really powerful. This is the subject. This is the focus. So when this 18-month period came to a close, what happened next? It, it only came to a close because my questions ran out. My husband and I were at that church for 17 years before we came to the U.S., which is the last third of my exit. What brought you to the United States? I had cancer about 11 years ago. And as it, as it always does, it just causes you to reprioritize your life. And my husband and I looked at each other at the time. My daughter had just turned 21. And uh, so we were just reevaluating life and going, hmm, is this the way we want to continue living the way we are? He was working very hard. I was working very hard and just that reevaluation. So we came across to Florida and had a month sabbatical and just saying to the Lord, okay, Lord, what does this look like? What does the next phase look like? We felt a shifting in our spirit. He does that to us when we both completely agree about something. Then mm. we know, okay, the Lord's talking to us now. And if if one of us doesn't agree, we don't do it. We've, we've said to the Lord, please, now marriage, Lord, help us to know that it's you when we both completely agree. And so we knew that a shift was coming. We took some steps and realized that we actually needed to come across to the U.S. to study. 
And so we applied for a school here and were both accepted. And by this time, we're 42 and 45, right? So we're like, what are you doing? You're moving continent again because we'd already done one continental shift, right? From South Africa to the UK. And now we're doing another continental shift. So we, we came across here and the two of us joined a school of ministry. And that's how we got into the U.S. And what was the School of Ministry? Was it in Florida? No, it was in Northern California. So it's Bethel Church. Oh, sure. They have a, a School of Supernatural Ministry. So we came across and joined that. And then after you joined that, when did you move to Texas? So while we were in Northern California, because we, we came across as students at Bethel, I had I had come across with the question of God. You know, had these, these questions that we wrestle with God with. We all have them. And I knew I loved business and I knew I loved Jesus. But at the time in the UK we were living, people were getting sued for wearing their cross to work. Really? People were getting, you know, it was, it was quite a thing. And so I'd say to God, but God, how, how do I introduce the people I love? Because I was there, right? Mm -hmm. You've heard my story. I was this ambitious person that didn't know how to, was overworking myself, burning myself out. And I said, Lord, I know so many people who are there and you saved me. But in the current circumstances, it doesn't look like we can tell the people I love, business people, mm-hmm. about the man I love, Jesus. So how do I, and they, they, they didn't seem to be able to merge, right? And so I came across to the States with this question. I said, Lord, there has to be a solution. And so as I was at this ministry school one day, we could do electives. And I'm reading down this list, and there's this department called Heaven in Business. Andy Mason leads that department, and I went to hear him speak, and he talked about these beautiful things that I'd never heard about before. I didn't didn't really know that the Holy Spirit spoke to us the way I know now. I didn't know just about the presence of God. I didn't know about sensing and feeling the atmosphere around you and being able to partner with heaven to bring love. I didn't know any of those things. So the only way I knew of to let somebody in business know about Jesus was quoting scripture at them, praying out loud in Jesus' name, amen, or wearing my cross, right? Those were the only evangelistic tools I had in my tool belt at the time. And he shared stories of what it can look like to to expect healing in the workplace and actually see people body healed when they walk into your shop. Yeah. Or, you know, a lot of the things that, that your listeners and us are familiar with now, I didn't know that I was awestruck. I was like, Lord, you really mean that there's other ways that we can just be and naturally talk to people and Holy Spirit will actually lead us in what to say mm-hmm. and, and heal. And I was totally awestruck that this all this world was possible. So literally everything that Heaven and Business put on, I was there. I was helping. I was doing something. And in my second year, And so what Andy had done was he'd started praying in businesses and mentoring business, coaching them in Reading at the time. And I came on board in my second year at the school and we took everything he was doing in Reading and we sent it online. So I became the director of Heaven and Business Online and we launched this online learning platform to send this good news of how you partner with the presence of God in business, Mm -hmm. sent it to the world. And so I was, I was then employed by the church. And at the end of 2019, we received green cards and permissions to live and work in the U.S. And then the Lord sent us to Austin, hmm. which is where we are now. What motivated you to move to Austin? I, again, just felt that shift that is similar to what I talked about before. So mm-hmm. it was about three o'clock in the morning. I just woke me up and he said, come, come talk to me. So I came through to the sitting room and he said, let's Google Austin. 
said, okay. <laughs> we Googled Austin and we spent, we spent an hour or two just investigating the city. And the piece of the story that I left out is when we came from the UK to the States, my husband was working for a big IT firm at the time in the UK and had already come across to Austin for a month because he was invited across. He was an expert in his area to write a red paper. And we had planned when we knew we were coming to the States, we're going, let's go to Austin. We'll get an intercompany transfer. And I was going to work for a ministry that I loved here. And we had all of our plans and those plans fell through. And the Lord instead redirected us to Northern California. So when he says, come and Google Austin, I was like, Lord, you've got such a sense of humor. <laughs> yep. Okay, let's come back to seven years later. Yeah. Let's come back to what we're looking at. So I said, okay, Lord, if you're if you're asking us to move, then I'm asking you to confirm to my husband separately, right? Because right. we always only do anything if we both agree. Literally the next evening, he came and we were praying before bed. And he, he looked at me and he said, what do you think about moving to Austin? And I just looked at him and I said, okay, let me tell you what happened yesterday. And so the Lord just confirmed to both of us separately. And within four weeks, we moved and we were here. So now you do coaching or were you doing coaching prior to moving to Austin, Lisa? So I've always mentored people okay. all my life. All my, it's, it's a natural part of my character and nature. And then through, so through the 17 years of the church in England, I sort of headed up the teaching programs and I'd constantly be having a conversation with somebody somewhere. And then in the time in Northern California, we had interns with us and I led missions trips. I was constantly coaching and mentoring people all around me. So it's been a part of who I am and what I've done for longer than 20 years. And so this is what you do full time now, correct? Yes. Yes. So now that we've moved to Austin, now this has become my full time. Yeah. So I coach and mentor and teach people. Explain what your focus is, please, in your coaching and mentoring. We'd love to hear that. So even at the beginning of my Christian journey, I would say to the Lord, Lord, I love what we hear in church on a Sunday. It's completely life transforming. And remember, this was completely new for me. So Lord, Lord, just so much wisdom, so much transformational thinking. But Lord, what happens on a Monday morning when life hits us? When if you're in business, when the creditors aren't paying and you've got to try and keep your employees on the books as parents, when a kid goes astray and you have no idea you're at the end of what's end. You know what to do. when your marriage is falling apart and divorce looks like an option. You know all of the normal stuff of life that we all go through. I said, Lord, how do we how do we take what we hear on a Sunday and actually apply it to life? Not as intellectual knowledge, not even as heart knowledge, but how do we take your word and apply it to our everyday life? And that's been my question for twenty years. And so everything I ask him for. First of all, relationship. What does relationship with you look like all the time? How do we do what Paul said and pray without ceasing? What does the constant conversation between us look like throughout our day? Right. And then as we have that con constant conversation, how does that work out when we are at the checkout line at the supermarket and you lead us to, to say something to the checkout? Right. What does that look like, Lord? How, how does the scripture make itself? Because the, the scripture is Jesus' flesh, right? Mm -hmm. He's a, he is the word. So, Lord, how do we make you real? How, how does that whole transaction work? And so I've always been fascinated with that. So literally out of that whole process came this commission that the Lord's given me is to help people to discover their purpose. Purpose is mentioned so many times in the word. And we often think that looks like, oh, I have to do this job. And I have to do it in this city. 
and it has to look like this, and I am an evangelist, right? And we we put God and our purpose in these little boxes. Yeah. But what he's actually shown me of all of these years of journeying with people and on my own journey is actually that purpose is about who we be, our identity in Christ. And then it overflows into the specific ways we do things. So if you listen to my story, I take massive action quickly. I'm ambitious. I do things fast. So my purpose expresses itself. My, my be of who I am in Christ Jesus expresses itself in the world in those ways. Mm-hmm. So I am not, you know, and that naturally shows me that I'm not the kind of person that should go into a super detailed job. Because I see big pictures. There are people who are super gifted in seeing every little detail. So that's an indication of their purpose, but it all flows out of who we are in Christ. So knowing how loved we are, knowing how valuable we are, knowing that he made us specifically to do things in the earth. My husband and I are almost exactly opposite personalities. He can sit and think think deeply about something for days and comes up with the most beautifully wise answers from the Lord. And I come up with things in five minutes, but it's not nearly as deeply wise as his. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. Just have different personalities. And that's the, so when we get to realize that our purpose actually flows out of us and it, it, it is expressed everywhere we go in every day. I love that. It takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yes. It takes the pressure off at having to look like this job or in this city or in God is way more interested in being with us and expressing himself through us in the way he created us to be than it is in us doing seven tasks. Now, as you coach people, what are the top two or three things that you tend to work through with others on a consistent basis? So something that happens to all of us, we were even talking this morning, is we get to these places where we're just stuck, where we've we've come to the end of our own thinking and reasoning and asking questions of God. And it can be it can be the normal everyday stuff. Okay, Lord, how come I'm struggling to pay my rent every month? What is it? What is it? What are the cycles in my life? What are the patterns in my life that's causing this to keep on happening every month? When your word says that you'll look after me, as in not constantly always have lack. Right. And so we all get to these places where we've thought it over, we've lived it, we've talked to the Lord, and we just don't seem to be getting anywhere. And so the way I describe it is people come to me when you're in your car and your wheels are stuck in the mud. Mm. And no matter how much you put your foot on the gas, no matter how much you try to maneuver the gears, put your one foot out the door and try to push it, but you've done everything you can do. But we all need somebody just to come to the back of the car and pick the wheels up out of the mud and put you back on solid ground. Because then putting your foot in the gas and moving the steering wheel and everything works. And so that's typically what people come to me for is, Lisa, I've tried everything. My wheels are stuck in the mud and I'm spinning out and I'm exhausted. I'm not going anywhere. I don't seem to be able to get forward. And this is what the Lord has gifted me with, is this ability to take people to a 10,000-foot view and see how he sees from heaven. And it, it can be as simple as remembering, hey, you're, we're not seated on earth. We're seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus at the right hand of God. Lord, what does it look like from up here? Ah, okay, that's the next step. That's the next step. And this is why Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is such an integral part of my life. Please share that scripture. Okay. So this was the scripture given to me at my baptism 20 years ago. And in, in his wisdom, my pastor and the Holy Spirit chose this because they knew I'd need it <laughs> as a roadmap for life. 
Oh, we all do. So this is the amplified version. It says, trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him and he will make your path straight and smooth, removing obstacles that block your way. And so I've sat with the Lord with this for 20 years and go, okay, Lord, show me how to work with this out. And he, he, he broke it down into four pieces for me. And he said, Lisa, the first part is to trust in and rely confidently on the Lord with all your heart. Remember we talked about plan A and plan B? Yeah. Lisa, can you settle in your heart that there is no plan B? Can you trust me no matter what it looks like? Can your heart be assured that I have you? I've got you. I'm never leaving you. I'm never forsaking you. No matter what happens, I've always got a good plan behind it. And if you can settle that in your heart, Lisa, then you go from that place of deep assurance, deep love, deep security, and then you step into the next part of the verse, which is then, oh, now I no longer have to rely on my own insight and understanding because you've got me, Lord. You've got me and everything comes from there. So it's it's no longer an intellectual decision of I'll trust God and not trust myself. Now it's a heart decision mm-hmm. and it's a spirit decision because he's got me. Therefore, now I see that my own insight and understanding is only a small fraction of what is available when I trust in God. And therefore, I no longer need to rely on it. And from that place, you step into verse 6, which says, in all of your ways, know and acknowledge and recognize him. Then it becomes an adventure with him. You go, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? And it goes, it, it, it switches from a, Lord, where are you? What are you doing? Why, why is this not right? It switches from that to, oh, where are you? Lord, I know you're doing something here because my heart trusts you. So I'm excited to see what you're doing. It's like, it's like receiving a gift on Christmas morning. And you're excited to unpack the gift. Yeah. Right. Instead of instead of going, I can't see it in front of me. God's going, No, no, you can't see it because I've wrapped it up in a gift. You have to unwrap the gift. Right? I love and, that perspective. What a <laughs> shift. Yeah. And then you step into the last piece of verse six, which is as you're looking for his goodness, David said, Where would I be if I hadn't expected to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Mm-hmm. Right? You step into the last part of verse six, which says, and he will make your paths straight and smooth, removing obstacles out of your way. So when you know how loved you are, when you realize that relying on your own insight is only a tiny fraction of what's available of the gift you get to unpack because he's always being good to us. Romans 8.28, lived out, right? This is, this is it. Romans 8.28 in the flesh. As you know that he's got these gifts for us each day and he's waiting for us to unpack them and wants to unwrap them with us and is delighted to see the excitement on our face as we unpack them. Mm-hmm. Then we see that, oh, from all of these places, Lord, you are making my paths straight and smooth, which doesn't mean that life is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is life, but it does mean that it's simple. So it doesn't mean we won't go through obstacles. It just means that now we go through with the Lord and they make way for him in us and they teach us character and they help us develop along the way. But we're doing it with him. Yeah, I can't shake the thought that so many of us are in mental partnership with the Lord Mm -hmm. and we're not in full wholehearted partnership with him. We've got just a portion of our soul connected, and that part gets exhausted and worn out, whereas the spirit inside of us has the ability to stay connected. And as you stated earlier, you know, pray without ceasing, 
all the things that are promised to us if we get out of our, our head. Brian, this is the beauty, though. We don't even have to get out of our head. All the way, all the way through the New Testament, it, Philippians 2.13, Philippians 4.13, Ephesians 3.20, it says, and God will accomplish what he wants to do by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. Brian, thank you for bringing up this point because it's a place where so many of us get stuck. In fact, all of us get stuck at various places during our day, during our walk, everything, is we think, oh, I did that again. I have to stop doing it. I have to stop doing that. The Bible says to do this. So we try and so we focus on what we did wrong, and then we try and get into what we're supposed to do right. Exactly. And nowhere does it say in the New Testament that it is our effort. Yeah. It says that it's our choice. So the Holy Spirit said to me one day, Lisa, if you're in New York and you're trying to, you're taking a train to LA, right? You stand on the platform, you get the train comes up, you get on the train, you settle into your seat. And when the first stop's coming up, a voice comes over the announcement system and it says, hey, we're uh, at this place. We're on our first stop. We're going to be in LA in 10 hours. And I suddenly realized, oh, I'm going to LA and I'm supposed to be going to Florida. I'm on the wrong train. Brian, what would you do? What would you physically do? Tell someone that stopped the train. Okay, but you're at a stop, so you might get off the train sure, and find a way to get on a train to Florida. And the Lord said to me one day, that's exactly how your thoughts are, Lisa. You're on the wrong train of thought. So the Holy Spirit is the voice, and, and we're just nicely, obliviously going through life, and we think we're all good, right? Yeah. And the Holy Spirit is the one that comes over the announcement system, and he says, hey, Lisa, you're on the wrong train. So what do we do? We repent, which is, sorry, oh, Lord, oh, wrong train. And then you turn around and you face back towards him. That's the essence of repentance, right? Yeah. Is a repentant heart, and then you come back to him. And then you go, oh, Lord, I got on the wrong train. How do I get on the right train? Okay, get off here, get on the train to Florida, switch trains. And you literally let him tell you when you're on the wrong train of thought. And in two seconds, Brian, Oh, Lord, wrong train of thought. Thank you. Help me get on the right train. And you get on the right train and you go. And Brian, I have given him permission to do that for me a hundred times a day. And that is our part. Our part is yes, because God has given us free will. Our part is to say yes to the Holy Spirit's power working within us, not in us having to change things. We're embracing the new man. We're not talking to the dead one. I think of the conversations I've had with other business people over the years, how you know when you're doing this and when God's doing it. When yeah. I'm doing it, I'm pushing rocks uphill. But when God's doing it, I'm actually, I feel like I'm drafting behind an 18-wheeler. But mm -hmm. he's, he's with me. He's mm -hmm. making the way for me. Mm -hmm. And I love what you said about it's our choice, and we can make that choice in a second to mm -hmm. turn back to the direction and the train of thought we should be on. It's our choice. That's so good. Because that's conviction, Brian. And conviction is from the Holy Spirit. He says, hey, hey, there's a much better way to do this than what you're doing. Will you come with me? And he lets us choose. Condemnation says, really? Really? You messed up again? Really? You've been doing this for 15 years and you're still messing up? That's condemnation. That's the voice of the enemy. Yeah. Right? So when, when the Holy Spirit convicts us and says, hey, you're on the wrong train. Let's go to Florida. You get to go, oh, thank you so much for letting me know. Thank you, Lord. Okay, <laughs> let's hop off this one and get on the train to Florida. And it's filled with hope and encouragement and the love of the Lord. Mm. And it constantly confirms to your heart, I've got you. And even if you had gone nine junctions down the 
he'd come fetch you at the ninth one and he'd go, hey, I know we've gone nine stops towards LA, but now you're hearing me. Okay, now let's jump off and let's just get straight back onto the train to Florida. That's great. He doesn't go, really? Nine times? No, he doesn't. He doesn't, he doesn't do this. No. He just goes, I got you. Yes, you're paying attention to me now. And do, you, do I have your yes? Yes, Lord, you have my yes. Okay, let's get on the train to Florida. That's beautiful. There's no condemnation there. At no. All. Yeah. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who love the Lord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What is one of the biggest pieces of advice that you give your coaching clients, Lisa? Let your heart fall in love with him. Let him woo your heart. We've just seen in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, trust in him with all of your heart. Humanity is every single one of us. If you dig down to the basis of humanity, we need to know that, that we belong and that we matter. Right. It's mm-hmm. why it's why we get married. It's why we join clubs. It's why we seek like minded people. It's why our hearts get hurt when somebody rejects us, because we need to know that we belong. It's that's what the, that's the basis of the Trinity. They belong to each other. They love to be with each other. They do life with each other. They're part of each other. And every human being longs for that. And when you let God show you how you belong, when you let him show you, that's why Jesus came. Jesus came and did all that he did to bring us back home to family. It's the essence of everything, to bring us back home to dad who loves us yeah. and who misses us like crazy. And he, he moved heaven and earth and Jesus died and rose again to bring us back home to dad. And when our hearts know that, you can weather anything. How do you cultivate that heart? For me, that has looked that journey has looked like gratitude. So, so in the beginning, it was consciously being grateful. I would even Brian, I'd even set an alarm on my phone, you know, because that's my personality. I set an, <laughs> an alarm on my phone every hour, and I'd, and the alarm would go off, and I'd just stop, and I'd just go, "Oh Lord, I'm thankful for this." Thank you for this. Thank you. Thank you for what you gave me in the last hour. Thank you for the, the way you helped me to think about something. Thank you for the way you helped me to not react to something. Thank you for the way you helped me to see something I never would have seen before. And I would literally do this each hour. And I'd say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I can't do this in my own strength. Verse that saved my life. I'm not sure which one it is. It's either Philippians 2.13 or 4.13. So the one says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. Mm-hmm. And the other one says, that it is not in your own strength, for it is the Holy Spirit who is all the while effectually at work in you, energizing and creating you both the power and the desire to will and to work for his good pleasure and satisfaction and delight. And when I got, remember the story before I became a Christian, when I got that it wasn't my own strength that would get me anywhere, but that the Holy Spirit actually wanted to help me, I took it seriously. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, Help me to be thankful right now. What do I have to be thankful for? How how do I open up my heart to you? How do I let you in? And I ask him this question still today. Every day, Brian, like, Holy Spirit, how do I know what you're doing for me? How do I how do I assure my heart that she doesn't have to be worried right now? How do I access the wisdom of heaven? How do I and I'm constantly asking questions? And that opened up the ability to have conversations. And I, I say to him, I've said, Lord, on my, on my gravestone, I want it to be written. How the heck did that life happen? I want my life to look so beyond my own capacity to have done it that it has to be seen yeah. that God had. And so I said to him, Lord, keep me in awe of you every day. That's great. 
I'm going to share this real quick story, yeah. and then I'd love for yeah. you to pray for our listeners as we yeah. finish up here. I remember sitting on my couch one day, and the Holy Spirit said, just start thanking me. And so I literally started with the couch I was sitting on, the <laughs> cup of coffee in my hand, my ability to hold the cup of coffee, my ability to see the cup of coffee, and every little possible thing I could imagine. And within 10 minutes, I was weeping. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> Brian, I remember a friend of mine prayed before a meal. We were having a meal at a business we were in, and, and he literally worked for NASA. So he is a rocket scientist, right? So highly intellectual man. So we say, okay, will, will you please pray, you know, pray and bless the food before we eat? And you know what his prayer was? He said, God, thank you for taste buds. That was his whole prayer. Thank you for giving us the taste buds to taste this food that's in front of us. The beauty <laughs> that every time we put a something in our mouths, we have the ability to taste it. Yeah. And it was the most beautiful, profoundly deep and wonderful mm -hmm. prayer in that sentence. Mm -hmm. So I love your story. It's, it's quite right. Just the, the joy that overflows from letting go and mm. being in awe, like you said, with everything mm. that he's mm. provided to us here. And mm. more than that, his love. So if you could please pray for our listeners as we finish up, I would love that. Abba, what a privilege to be able to come and talk to you. Thank you so much for the way you love us. Thank you for these gifts we get to unwrap every day. It's why it's called the presence. Thank you for the presence that we get to unwrap every day and the delight you take in putting these things together for us. Mm. In actually, like you wait for us to wake up in the morning, Lord, and you go, oh, my son's awake. Oh, my daughter's awake. And they get to unpack the present of today with us. And Jesus standing there going, oh, I paid for you to have everything that's in that gift. Let's unwrap it. And the Holy Spirit just helping us to get on the wrapping paper and be super excited about what, what is in the package of today. So, Lord, thank you for the privilege of being able to live our lives with all three of you each day as Father, as Savior, as best friend and guide. Thank you for the privilege of doing that. And I bless everyone listening to this. I bless everyone in the body of Christ with an opening of our hearts, with a, with a, a willingness to allow you in to show us what unconditional love looks like, to show us what, what peace that passes all understanding looks like, to show us what the joy of the Lord is our strength looks like as we live this out with you each day. So I bless our hearts to say yes. Mm. I bless our ears to be open to hear what you have to say. I bless our sufferers to jump just like just like John's did in Elizabeth's movement, to jump at the presence of the Lord, to be so excited to know that you are near each day. Thank you, Lord, that we get to go on adventures with you each day. What an absolute privilege. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lisa, thank you so much. It's so good to have you on the show. Thank you. It's been a real privilege. Thank you for all that you do to bring such hope and encouragement to people. It's wonderful. Thank you. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.